Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laughing, yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. fresh. goddammit, we fresh. Welcome to the Fresh the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Like always, we have a great show for you. First and foremost, thank you for everybody who's been listening, sharing, tweeting, whatever, in regards to sharing the words to the podcast. And before we get into this uh, this week's episode, I just want to shout out a few people who left some reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, First off, I never, I never, uh, I never said this one, but it was a while back. It was, and I know who this is, is a friend of mine, uh, Tony Swish. He says he gives me five stars and says this show has been most interesting guest and is a must listen for anyone into music and or wrestling. The Chris Jericho, Black Dahlia Murder, and the ROC shows are a must listen. Thank you, Tony. Then recently, the Lord of Lafayette, and I know who you are. Fresh is the word stays in my podcast rotation. It should stay in yours too. Five stars. It'll be six stars if you recorded it in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> uh, I get that reference. And then uh, Pete Goddamn titled Good Brothering. Five stars. If you're going through the archives, the DJ Z interview may be my favorite. He shares inf- info about his injury before it even publicized anywhere else. Great pod. Good brother work all the way around for multiple genres of nerd entertainment <laughs> or nerdtainment. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. And then Kevrox313. Great podcast with fresh array of guests. Always a fun listen. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for, uh, you know, posting your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It definitely, it definitely helps. And now it looks like I'm actually on, on track with with ratings on there so maybe it'll pop up a little bit in their algorithms or whatnot but please if you're listening to this right now go to apple uh, podcast there's only a few you know search fresh is the word and then leave a uh, a ratings and a review uh hopefully five stars and hopefully something good even if you post something bad i'll read it on air and uh it'll definitely help out the podcast and help uh help with the, you know the reach of it all so uh thank you this week's guest is somebody that i met at the astronomicon uh convention a few months ago her name is uh, stephanie menard she's a michigan-based horror sci-fi author she has a uh, podcast called the way station and i think she does a couple other podcasts too i she is the, the writer of the comic book series, Psychopath, and we get into the psychology of that particular comic book series during our interview. Uh, she also has another book called Secrets Best Kept. Uh, 
during our interview, we you know talk about her growing up in Michigan, the whole indie creative community. Uh, like I said, everything you know, the psychology between behind her comic book, Psychopath, and you know how she got into writing. It was definitely a cool interview. She's super cool to talk with. Um, I've seen her a couple more times since then. Uh, she uh, she's a really fun person to talk with. So if you know if you want to uh, definitely support someone, support Stephanie Menard. Uh, she has a, another comic book she's a part of coming soon called The Last Heist, so be on the lookout for that. All right, that's enough about all that. Let's get into the interview with Stephanie Menard. I love doing interviews. It's fun, and it, it, it's nice, too, because like I get to know people better um, you know, like just by doing these things, because, you know, a lot of times you meet people and <clears throat> you're, you're like Facebook friends or whatever, but you don't really get to know them. So this kind of is a very helpful way to learn about people. So I like it. Right. That's what, I, that's what I was always thinking about um, recently. I was like, when I'm like, when I'm out and about just regular, you know, whatever, Joe Schmo going around, you know, being, trying to be social, like I'm not that good at being social. But when I like get into this mode and interview people, like mm -hmm. I'm like this whole other person. But then, and and, I, and for the longest time, I was just always just kind of chalking it up to like, all right, so like this person that when I'm interviewing people is like a different character or something. And then mm -hmm. I was like recently, I'm like, why can't I just be that person all the time? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> It is. I mean, and I agree with you. I think um, I actually think I'm more myself when I'm doing like a podcast because I don't feel um, because I have a mic in front of me instead of me being face to face with people. So I think it makes it a little bit easier to kind of just like not worry about stuff. I don't know. And and I even mentioned this to my therapist recently is like I can do like interviews really well because in my head, like that conversation is already like it's like almost like predetermined that this is going on you know it's not like in the wild when you're going up to talk to somebody and you don't know if that person wants to talk or not right or even if they're nice right because <laughs> people are mean there's 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 some very not nice people in the world so <laughs> <laughs> right so um yeah, I met you at the uh, Astronomicon convention, and I had a I had a blast. I, I'm like that was like the first like sort of convention of those sorts that I've ever been to, because I've been more of like a hip hop or like a music guy, hip hop, electronic mm -hmm. music, rock, and I, I always go to that type of stuff. But like like sort of a Comic Con pop culture thing that was like super cool. Like it was like, and everybody was like super nice, you know. And the funny thing mm -hmm. was going back to like just what we were talking about. I was like, as soon as I got there, I was like being so super social with everybody and talking with all the vendors and the exhibitors and everybody. It was super nice. Yeah, everybody. I mean, there, there's a really good uh, community, I think, in Michigan when it comes to like conventions. I mean, I know a lot of the people, um, the other artists and writers and stuff. We do a lot of shows together here in Michigan. And then, you know, the vendors are really cool, too. I've made friends with a lot of them. And you know, it's just a, a really cool group of people and everybody like we pretty much all have each other's backs. And it's just like everybody's we're pretty lucky here to have that kind of community. So. Right. Like when I um, me coming from like a hip hop background, like the hip hop scene was like how I kind of came into like the city. My roots are in there. Sometimes like when you're dealing with some of those guys, like. I always feel like I'm being sold upon something. Like they're always trying to sell me something. Like they're, whatever, it's their CD or something or them to help, help, help them out or whatever. When I was uh -huh. going around the convention and like even talking with you, like we ended up talking about like your comic book and everything, but it was like in such a normal tone, normal conversational tune, tone like that I didn't feel like I was being sold anything. Like nothing was being jammed down my throat. Everything was like a super cool conversation. That's and that's kind of how I roll. I know there's a lot of people like and and I get it. I get why you know there are people that that are like that because you know we put a lot of money and time and effort into the stuff that we do. So I think for a lot of people that's why they do that and for them that's great. Um, I don't like to be talked to that way, so I just kind of like talk to people the way that I would want to be talked to, just like 
a normal conversation. And of course, I'm going to talk about my work because I'm, I'm proud of it. And but, you know, there's a lot of people that just stop by and look. And that's cool. Like, I'm not going to jam it down your throat. Hopefully, maybe sometime, you know, later down the line, if you decide you might check it out. If not, that's cool, too, to each their own. Have you <laughs> I was uh, trying to be chill? <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you um, have you always lived in the Metro Detroit area? Oh, yeah, I was um, born and raised in Detroit, and then um, I basically lived everywhere. We moved so much. Um, you know, I've moved, I don't know, I can't, I can't even count, probably like 15 times now, um, all over Metro Detroit. So, um, you know, I moved back to Detroit for a while in my 20s, and then the neighborhood I was living in was really bad. Like, my house got broken into, my car got stolen. I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's time to move back to the burbs, because, nope. you know, I just <laughs> right. felt really unsafe in my neighborhood, and... Now I'm down in Wyandotte, which is, you know, I never thought I'd end up here, but here I am and I love it. So it's pretty awesome. <laughs> what kind of a kid were you growing up? Oh my God. I was a huge nerd. <laughs> like <laughs> the kind of, I was like the kind of kid who like, you know, got really good grades and played with Barbie dolls probably for way too long. I was like, yeah, I don't know, kind of like shy and I didn't have a ton of friends just because I was kind of a kind of a nerd and you know when you're when people are younger they're like anything that's different is you know bad so nowadays being a nerd is no big deal but you right. know when I was a little kid it was kind of a big deal um but I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that that's how I was I was raised my parents did their damnedest and you know I'm glad of that right what was some of your interests as a kid you know what what, what was the games that you played, the toys that you played with, whatever? What was some of your interests? Oh, man. Well, you know, got a Nintendo, like, so many years after everybody else got one. So, like, I played a lot of Super Mario Brothers and, like, Tetris because I think those were the only two, like, games we actually owned. Um, you know, grew up, you know, right. pretty poor because, like, my parents, you know, got divorced when I was, like, I don't know, like, four or five. And, uh, so I would take whatever I could get. Um, again, I played with Barbies till I was, like, 11 or 12 because I was such an innocent little kid <laughs> <laughs> and that, that has all changed clearly. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And like, you know, I used to play like transformers and GI Joes with my neighbors. Um, I played with a lot of guys toys. <laughs> <laughs> they were fun and transformers was amazing. So, you know, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. I agree. Right. It was fun. <laughs> How did, how did you, um, you know, get into, you know, wanting to become an author and, and getting into comic books and writing and stuff? Well, I guess I, I mean, I've always loved writing. I used, I started off with like poetry when I was a little kid and I used to write like little short stories and, and then my interest kind of changed for a little while. I wanted to be like, I wanted to be a singer. I thought, oh man, I'm going to be a singer. That's going to be my job. And then I turned like 15 and realized that was probably never going to happen. Uh, so I went back to writing and um, I kind of was encouraged by people uh, in, in the indie community here to kind of put my stuff out there because I had been working, um, you know, doing like blog posts and doing reviews for like indie comics. And I'm, I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm reading everybody else's comics and their books and they're really good. And I'm like, why am I not doing it? If they can do it, I can. So I just um, got some advice for, from some really cool people in, in the biz and just started doing it. Just did it. <laughs> was, there, was there anything that specifically that you wrote at that time that kind of, uh, you know, connected with people to like finally tell them, hey, you should probably put your own, your, your own stuff, stuff out? Uh, well, I got a lot of very positive reaction to like my opinion blogs and, you know, it's hard with opinions because everybody's got one and a lot of times, pe you know, people don't agree. We all have our own opinions on stuff and that's right. totally cool. Um, you know, I try to respect everybody's opinion unless it's harmful to other people. If it's harmful, then, you know, I, I just take a step back and I, I just can't. But yeah. if you're not harming anybody and your thoughts aren't harming anybody, you know, I just try to put out my opinions in a positive way. And most of it was on comic books. So I think it was a little bit less controversial. <laughs> it wasn't like I was writing about politics or anything like that. So that probably saved me. Um, but I got a lot of really positive reaction to um, the, 
the blog posts that I was doing and the reviews and all of that. So I think that was kind of where people kept going, like, when are you going to like publish something? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, (laughs) I I guess now. Um, (laughs) so that's kind of how that all came about. (laughs) What was some of the advice that uh, other people gave you at that time? Oh man. Um, just to, you know, be nice and, and work hard and, I mean, these are things that I do anyway. So it's kind of, I'm like, perfect. This works. I'm nice and I work hard. So, okay, I, I can do this. And I got some advice from like, um, you know, Casey Pierce about starting my own um, imprint, which is Scapegoat Press. Like she recommended a, a tax dude to me. So I've been going to him and we set up, you know, the business through him. And that was thanks to Casey and her good advice. Right. <laughs> um, everybody was like really helpful in just kind of in being encouraging and saying like, if you have questions, you know, and I've had to ask a million questions. Uh, comic books are very different from writing like a story. And that's kind of what I've always done. So uh, writing comics is definitely a, a learning process. And I think that even people that have been writing them for, you know, 10 years plus would say the same thing. You're always finding out something new and a better way to do things and, and how to engage people better. So, um, I'm very thankful for all the advice that I've gotten and continue to get, cause I need it. <laughs> what was one of the first things that kind of went through your mind when you were like, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, writing my own comics. I'm going to start putting my own, my, my own stuff out. Oh man, fear. I think fear was the first, the first emotion. Like, well, actually, okay, no, at first it was exciting. And then I stopped to think about, okay, so I'm writing something and I'm going to be putting it in front of a large audience. Holy crap. That's scary. <laughs> uh, you know, putting yourself out there like that is, is really difficult. And, you know, you kind of have to have a thick skin because not everybody is going to, you know, relate to what you write. You know, we all, have our different perspectives and we write our certain way and it's not for everybody. I mean, I write horror and a lot of people just don't like horror. So I know automatically I'm like a niche writer and I'm okay with that because that's what I love writing. That's where I excel. But, um, there was still just like, there was a fear of, you know, when I put this out, like what kind of reaction am I going to get? And I just had to take a step back and say, honestly, even if everybody hates it, I can say that I published a comic. Like this is a goal for me and I've reached it. And, you know, it's great when people like your stuff, but if they don't, you've still done the work. You've still, you know, made progress in your own personal, you know, plan for your life. So the, the fear eventually left. It took a minute, but (laughs) it was very real for, for a while. (laughs) What was the first thing that you put out? Uh, the first thing I put out was the first issue of psychopath. That was my, um, my first comic and, uh, it's, you know, I love it. I love my first comic. Um, you can definitely see a growth in, in my writing, like as you progress through the series, cause you know, the series is complete now. So, I mean, I'm very proud of the first one and I'm proud of the steps that I used to improve, um, you know, up until issue three. So, uh, it was, it was a very interesting, um, first thing to write because it's very, uh, abrasive (laughs) (laughs) and there's some, you know, there's some scenes in this comic that are are kind of brutal. And, you know, when I wrote it, I wasn't trying to be offensive. It just felt natural. Like this is how the story should go. So, um, yeah, I started off writing probably one of the most offensive things that I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, go, it gets wild, man. It gets wild. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, you know, I would look at it and I'd go, you know, should I? I mean, I have to leave that in there, but man, <laughs> people are going to think I'm crazy. Uh, and it was, fun. I, you know, I was interviewed um, <clears throat> the first year because this came out um, in 2015. And I was interviewed by a friend, um, Derek Becker, who does comic uh, pros and cons. And he was just like, you're so nice. And then I read your comic and I was like, oh my God, that is messed up. <laughs> and he's like, how are you so nice? And you write this stuff. And I'm just like, uh, it's, it's fiction. You know, you don't have to be the person you're writing. Right. It's just 
the that's just the fun you know it's the fun part of it horror is fun to me <laughs> what do you think you were able to improve upon evolve upon during this uh, the three issue run of psychopath oh man uh time management for sure um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's uh, when I was writing um, all three of these issues, I was working, you know, like a full time job. And then I, um, I do, you know, several podcasts with Podcast Detroit. So I was having to prep shows. And then, you know, I had to find time to write because I'm like, okay, well, I have deadlines and I have to get these out. So I learned um, much better time management. And um, I definitely improved my comic pacing because Pacing, like I said, comics and, and stories are very different. You have, you're able to do a lot more with a story. Like, and with a comic, you have a limited amount of pages to tell a story, and you have to let the art kind of speak too, which I was trying to be super controlling because that's just – I don't mean to be that way, but I am. <laughs> I'm like, this is my baby, you know? And I had to learn to, like, let go of some of that control, and it actually made the process, like, so much easier and just to trust my artist and to trust – you know, my team and know that they're going to do, you know, what's best for the book. So I learned a lot, um, I, so much in the last couple of years. It's, and there's, like I said, still more to learn. So I, I love learning. I'm definitely open to it. Yeah, making a comic book is always a team effort because you have the writer, you have the artist, and you have, you have all these people coming together to make this. You know, how do you sort of let go of that control and be able to work as a unit? Um, well, luckily, uh, you know, my, my colorist on uh, Psychopath, the series, um, I had known uh, before I started the series. And so we kind of already had like a working relationship, which was really cool, uh, Whitney cook she's amazing and she does work for like devil's do and she's now doing some stuff for big dog inc with tom hutchinson which is awesome um she's super talented and i love her and um you know and then it was just kind of when i met the rest of my team like kind of like getting to know who's like just having conversations with them i i feel the better you know the people you work with i mean the the better you'll work together. So, you know, we had like Skype meetings and I was in contact with them all the time and just kind of, you know, just checking in, seeing how things were going and then taking advice from them because they've all been doing this longer than me. So, you know, where I might say, this is how I want something to be, you know, they're more seasoned than I am. And if they say, Hey, you might want to look at it in this way and maybe change this and this, you know, just taking like that, advice and kind of, you know, moving things around or, or fixing something that, you know, might not be the greatest. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of helps too, like when you have like that give and take with your team. And I, you know, Ted Woods, I knew before he started working on my books and he was the letterer, super nice guy, great artist. Um, you know, so it was for this first team was pretty easy because I knew two out of the three of them before we started. So, uh, it's, it, it was pretty, you know, you just kind of have to just trust the people that you work with and, you know, but if, if that trust does get broken somehow, I mean, you have to have like that honest communication and, you know, make sure that you're all on the same page. That's very important. <laughs> I remember you saying that you, you went to school for psychology. Is that correct? That is correct. Where'd you go? I went to U of M. How, how much does that, that education go into the writing of your comics? I would say quite a bit, especially with Psychopath. Um, you know, just because I'm using a lot of the knowledge that I learned on, um, from the DSM manual and from just from taking, you know, like abnormal psychology and things of that nature, it allowed me to kind of, create characters that were accurate representations as well as accurate as they can be for being fictional um to these types of you know psychopathy and because there's you know there's three different types that i kind of look at it's you know the born psychopath the the mentally ill person that has like they're not even aware that they're crazy until it's too late and then the maid or, or created, sorry, a psychopath. So 
I think that it helped immensely. And I think, you know, I love really delving into how people think. So I, I think it played a big part and I think it'll always play a big part in how I write. I, I love psychology is so interesting. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I felt with all the characters in psychopath, there was sort of that true representation of from, from a psychology standpoint. Um, and that, that's what I really got out of it really quickly. Cool. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm the, glad it came through. <laughs> the, the one that was interesting is from the, the first issue where you have this, this kid that's basically a made psychopath. And mm -hmm. I like, and I think any of us who have gone through any sort of bad relationship or anything knows that any of us can be drawn to, you know, at least have that first impulse towards mm -hmm. doing something bad in this world. It, so, oh, okay. yeah, so that's where, that's where, that's what I really came out of that first issue was like, okay, I can get this. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, just having like that one bad day, like one of my favorite movies is falling down yeah. and you know, and he, I think that he has a mental illness. I, it, he has some issues to begin with, but like, you know, he's just trying to go about his day and then he just has this terrible day. And all of a sudden, I mean, he's doing things that he's never done before and he's, you know, shooting people. And like, I mean, it just, it really, you know, snowballs pretty quickly. And I think that there are people out there, you know, a lot of us, we have our hard days and we get angry and, you know, we think a lot of things. We don't act on it, but we would be lying if we said we have never thought about like going and beating somebody up because you're, they did something crappy to you or, you know, I mean, it's just how we think acting on it is an entirely different thing. <laughs> don't do that. It's bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Definitely don't act on it. I, I do not incite. I, you know, I don't back violence at all in, in any manner. Um, in, in fiction, it's okay. <laughs> Cause it's just fake. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, any person given the right circumstances could probably snap. I, you know, it, it just depends. Some of us are a little bit stronger than others, but you know, add in like those teenage hormones and like, you know, his crappy home life and, you know, being treated crappily pretty much by everybody that's in his life. And then, you know, the whole scenario of psychopath one, I mean, it, to me, it just makes sense why he does what he does. I like, I feel like if I were him, I would have done that. <laughs> right. Part of me is like, you know what? I ain't even mad at him, you know, especially what, what that nurse did to him. <laughs> I know. I know she's, Oh my God. She was, as terrible as she is, she was a lot of fun to write because she's just, I've never written somebody that just has no redeemable qualities. And she's just awful from beginning to end. <laughs> she's very special. <laughs> Man, definitely. I was like, whoa, wait, what the, what the hell's going on with this lady? Yeah. And Paul, um, Paul Gorey, who did the art, I mean, he was like, we're going to make her gross. And I'm like, okay, let's make her gross. Let's do this. She's really <laughs> gross. And the, the, the best part of her grossness is that, uh, the close up of her cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And her teeth. It's Ugh. like, bro. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that in itself is horrifying enough. It's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> There's something, there's something on this, uh, on the first issue, right on the first page that really caught my eye. That was something that like is so real, but I never feel like anybody acknowledges this. There's the, um, there's the part where you have the, you know, the, the man and the woman on the, the bench and there's the thought bubble of all the random thoughts going through their, both of their heads at that particular moment. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that like is just normal to, to, uh, you know, just humans and I don't necessarily see that actually being acknowledged, you know, all the things that we probably won't say, you know, that we're thinking right. we won't say, you know, why'd you feel like you needed to include that in there? Well, I think because we're talking about, you know, I guess it was more for like, I guess, contrast, because that just goes to show like, we all have these thoughts, you know, we we don't often share them with people because they're taboo or, you know, people wouldn't understand or whatever, but like we see these two people and their thought process or whatever, 
And it's kind of like a, the opposite side of the coin with, um, you know, Zach, because he has these thoughts and then he acts on them, whereas these people kind of keep, they're more like normal people. We all think crazy, but we don't act on it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kind of like the, um, the normal everyday people with their crazy thoughts. And he's the opposite. <laughs> it's a uh, going to the, um, issue to a psychopath. This one was really, uh, interesting because it was kind of like a swerve in the end you realize it was like everything that was going on was from like sort of like the opposite perspective yeah and it, it's really funny because when I started writing this issue it was um it was actually very different than it ended up being like the main character is completely different the story is completely different um and it's because when I was writing the original issue it just didn't I couldn't make it savage in the way that I wanted it to be. And in this, I think this one's a little bit more emotionally savage because you kind of feel for the guy because he feels like he's going crazy because, you know, he's living this happy life. And then he keeps having these horrible nightmares of like torturing these women. And, you know, he tries to get help, you know, and all this other stuff. And then it ends up being that, you know, everything is flip flops that, you know, he was, actually the psychopath and not the happily married normal guy with the job. Um, and I just, I guess I feel the worst for him because he had no idea. <laughs> He's just like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> Poor guy. where did you kind of come up with the idea to kind of go that route? Cause I'm assuming that there is that exists in real life where people's realities are sort of switched. Well, there's definitely, um, you know, there are definitely several mental conditions where reality is twisted and people, their perception of reality is twisted. And I don't know if there's anything that's to that extreme, um, to where you think like, you know, where your dreams and your reality are, are switched in that manner, but like schizophrenia patients, I mean, they have breaks with reality, um, that can be very severe and, that's kind of what I was using as a base for, for this character. I'm not saying that that's what he had, but that's kind of like how I envisioned it when I was writing. And I, like I said, I think his case is, is far more extreme I, and it's fiction again. So you can kind of take it wherever you want, which is the beautiful thing about fiction. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, there, it's definitely, there's definitely mental illnesses that can, makes people's realities very, um, skewed. And that's why, you know, they have medications and treatments and all that other stuff. Cause living like that would be really, really hard. I could only imagine. <laughs> and the third, uh, issue of a psychopath, this is where we, you know, we meet a, a pretty much born psychopath. Um, and let me just say that this, this cover of this issue is amazing isn't it? I like, I love, I love bloody Mary so much. And like we were, uh, me and Paul worked really closely together. Um, cause I, he did the second and third cover issue, um, for those, those issues. And then issue one, um, because I was new to the industry, I had worked with, um, a different artist. So that's why when you look at them, they kind of like the last two kind of fit together. And the first one's like a little different. Um, but yeah, like we worked really closely together because I felt it was super important to like, I wanted people to know this is all about Mary. She's crazy. And my first thought was, you know how, like when alligators are like hunting and they're like buried in the water, but all you can see is like the eyes and the top of the head. Yes. That was what I wanted. I said, Paula, can we do something like that? Maybe she's in some blood. And Paul was like, hell yes. Like he, he knew exactly where we were kind of on the same level with a lot of the stuff. So it worked out really good. And I just love her. And I know that's screwed up because she's a complete, you know, she's a complete just utter mess, but she was the most fun to write because I didn't have to worry. Like she didn't have emotion. It was so easy to write her. She's just, she's a, a creature who just does. And I, you know, that makes for interesting writing. 
Where was the sort of motivation to write this uh, Bloody Mary character? Uh, well, I, I definitely wanted to have a representation of somebody who's just a born psychopath. I mean, it happens. You know, we, we see in the news all the time, you know, people that commit these, you know, serial killers and, and people who commit these crimes. And a lot of them have, I mean, they're psychopaths. That's their diagnosis. And it's not necessarily anything that's really happened to them in their life. It's just they were born in a certain manner and, you know, the chemicals in their brain are not functioning properly. So I definitely wanted to represent the, the true psychopaths. Um, and her character actually has a cameo in issue one because I wanted to make sure she was in all of the issues. So she has like one in one panel, and I don't remember what page it is, and I don't have it with me, but there's a panel where you see a blonde nurse, and I think it's when Zach is in the sitting room um, looking at the television, and that's Bloody Mary. So she's there in that one, and then obviously in issue two, it ends with her interview at the psych ward, um, which ties it into three, and then we kind of get her origins, but she was, I don't know, she was my favorite. I just, I, I loved her so much. Still love her. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that throughout the, the three issues, there, there was acknowledgement of the other characters throughout. Yeah, I, I wanted to make it like you didn't have to read all three of them to like it because it, it's hard. I do most of my selling at conventions, and I know that you know I might not see the same people year to year when I'm putting new stuff out. And I have an online store, but you know, it's people like – they like to meet the person a lot with indie comics and they'd rather go to a convention and pick up a copy. And I totally understand that. So I was worried, you know, that I might miss some people with, you know, issue two or three when they came out. So I'm like, okay, well, let's try to make them so they can stand alone, but have ties so that people that read the entire series, you know, can see that it is cohesive and that, you know, there is a, there is a path that we follow in all three. So, um, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to keep the reader in mind because I know, you know, I bought issues of comics, you know, at conventions when I haven't been able to find like the next issue. And it's always frustrating when it's an ongoing story. So I just tried to like make them as self-contained as possible while still having that common thread. What do, what do you think is that common thread throughout this series? Well, I think, you know, other than the fact that you know, we're looking at a series of psychopaths. I think that um, it really just kind of focuses on individual struggle. And I wanted to make sure that it was personal because I think, you know, more often than not, mental health is kind of looked at in a broad spectrum. And if you don't study, you know, psychology or, or things of that nature, I, I think that there's a lot of things that just kind of get blanketed over and kind of lumped together. And I just wanted to try and make, you know, make things more individual, make things understood through fiction again. So this is, it's more over the top than reality, but I tried to keep that, um, you know, that's why I have like the separate instances of like types of psychopaths because, you know, you can easily say, Oh, that person's a psychopath. Well, they grew up, you know, getting beaten by their parents and like all this other terrible things you know, have happened to them, that's why they, you know, they were made. And then there are some that are born. And then there are some that just have mental health problems and, you know, that go unchecked. So <clears throat> I just wanted to kind of represent individual uh, mental health issues within the blanket of um, the word psychopath. So, um, so now that this, this run of uh, the series is over with, what's next for you? Ooh, so many fun things. Um, I have a new uh, one-shot coming out called The Last Heist, and I'm working with um, some really awesome people. I've got Robin Jones lettering. <clears throat> St. Yak is doing all the art, including the cover. Um, I have uh, Robert's doing the colors, and also uh, Robert Nugent is doing the colors and the cover. And... Um, it's beautiful. I already, it's already in production. So I'm hoping to have it out in a couple of months. So it'll be out this con season. Um, I'm working on a short film called the outing, which will also be out this summer. Um, I'm going to be in another two other movies 
I started getting into acting, so, <laughs> which it, it's fun. You know, it's just a good time. So I have two other movies that I'm working on um, this spring slash summer. And then um, I have another open-ended series that I've already started writing uh, that's called The Aeonian. And it kind of looks at if you are told that you have like an endless life, like what do you do with it? Do you become jaded? Like, how do you behave when you know you're not going to die? And what lengths will you go to to protect, you know, living forever? So it kind of looks at those. It's it's like a horror drama. It's really cool. Very abrasive. <laughs> it's totally me. <laughs> um, and then I do have another um, horror anthology uh, the sequel to Secrets Best Kept, which um, hopefully it's either going to be out the end of this con season or the beginning of next, depending on if I can keep my time management together. <laughs> right. So yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, always working. <laughs> you uh, you're a part of a couple of podcasts also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do um, Shot of History, which is a history podcast. It's really fun. If you, and they're like short episodes, thirty minutes, and um, we just drink and talk about history and some uh, interesting badasses. And it, it's been a really cool experience. We've done it now for two years, and it's doing really well. We're actually doing um, our second our Second anniversary on March 24th, we're going to be live at Old Shillelagh's from 2 to 6. So anybody who's in the Detroit area that is interested in drinking shots of whiskey with us and listening to us babble about badasses <laughs> uh, is more than welcome to come on up and visit. Um, and then I do the Way Station, which is, you know, for indie creators to give them a platform to kind of, you know, talk about what they're doing, you know, where they're going to be. And, you know, we delve into other stuff as well. But um, it's mainly it's mainly for that, uh, and we do that one live uh, from the studio every other Saturday from five to seven at podcastdetroit.com. <laughs> and then um, I just started a third one. I, of course, because you know, of course, I, I I don't have enough stuff on my calendar already. But um, right. this one, we actually did our first episode at uh, Astronomicon, and it's called Tales from the Con Side. And it's kind of a, we're going to, it's really just sporadic. Like whenever uh, Podcast Detroit and myself are at conventions together, we're going to do a show and just, you know, have some of our fellow artists and come on and just kind of discuss what happens behind the table. Because we talk a lot about, you know, the rest of the parts of conventions. So we kind of wanted to get, you know, unique stories from some of the vendors and some of the creators because we've all got them. <laughs> <laughs> so that should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to continuing with that one. Yeah, I did check out the, the, the latest episode of The Way Station. And what I like about it is I like, I like podcasts like this where it's about, you know, talking with creators and whatnot. But it's not so super like insider that the listener won't or won't understand what the hell is going on. There's mm -hmm. it just it, a general like a casual listener can listen to it and, you know, and understand what's going on or, you know, learn something from it. Yeah, we, you know, it's, the technical stuff is kind of boring to me. I mean, making comics is hard and, you know, we just want to talk and like let people, you know, give, like, like I said, give them a platform to share their experiences and what they're working on. And, you know, it's hard to be an indie creator and we do have, we have to do all of our own you know, networking and marketing and all that stuff. I mean, it's on us. That's how we get our books out and word, you know, about what we're doing. And, and while there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of podcasts that are uh, geek and nerd culture, um, even comic book culture, but I think there's not as many where they interview people in the business. And I think, you know, the more that we have, the more platforms we have for indie creators to kind of help build them up. And we don't just do comics. We do, um, you know, film, documentary, music, like anybody who's indie. Um, and we love getting people from the area to come into the studio and just share their stories with us. So we try to keep it, um, you know, me and Megan are just, she's one of my best friends and we just kind of hang out and we have fun with it. 
Definitely, because, you know, from, from my perspective, being in, uh, like, the music scene for the longest time, sometimes it's like if, if you can connect, if the person who's the creator, the artist, whatever, can connect on a just a personal level and show what kind of person they are, sometimes that does better than the work itself and selling it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, I think that, you know, being, you know, truthful and honest in, in answering these questions about like who you are as a person, I think, you know, people like to know who they're buying from, you know, they like to know things about their creators. And I mean, I know that I do. And I, and I think that in some ways it does sway, you know, whether or not you might read or listen or, you know, watch somebody's product because, you know, they always say like, don't be your, don't meet your heroes or whatever. And luckily I've never met, you know, anybody who I've really, you know, fancied from afar, like in terms of like a writer or an actor, uh, that's been crappy, but I hear all these stories and I'm just like, how do these people talk to people like this and expect them to support them? You know, like, I'm just happy to be doing what I'm doing. I'm happy to have, you know, people that like it. I mean, that's just, I don't understand, like, there being any, there's no reason to be crappy. There's no reason to step on anybody's toes. There's no reason to drag anybody else down. We're all doing our own thing. And I'm excited to see what everybody's doing. And it's, it's hard to create, you know, it takes a lot of guts. And, you know, I just applaud everybody who does it because no matter what, no matter what anybody else says, you're doing something, you know, you're, you're living your best life and you're doing something that you've dreamed of doing. And I think that's beautiful and it always deserves to be applauded. To, uh, to close out this interview, I did, uh, you know, pose a question to you ahead of time for you to uh, think about, uh, this is something that I, I'm doing, something new that I'm doing with, uh, interviews um, to kind of close it out, to kind of uh, put a thread into this podcast. Um, what, I, you know, what I'm going to ask is, who is someone that's been a part of your life or career that realistically I, sh I could also interview that would be a great story to tell? Um, I would highly recommend uh, interviewing uh, David C. Hayes. He is a B-movie uh, actor, he's with Source Point Press. He does the rot and rotten tale. He is one of my favorite people. Um, he's very genuine. He's kind. He is a, a very much, he's always willing to mentor uh, new people in the business and like, you know, critique and help other people out. And I really, uh, I just like enjoy him as a person. I don't get to see him a lot. Uh, we did a movie together. Um, UFO, the Otis Files, and he was the star. And uh, he's he's just something else. Like once you meet him, you just instantly like. If you don't love this guy, you're crazy. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> he's I, that guy. <laughs> you know what? I I did meet him at uh, Astronomicon uh, along with uh, Casey Pierce. Awesome. I, aren't they both awesome? I love them both very much. Yeah, definitely. They're good people. Yeah, I'm already I'm already got uh, things in the works with uh, Casey to come on the podcast. And I was Beautiful. already kind of, and I was already um, thinking about having uh, David C. Hayes, you know, hitting him up also. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he, he does so much too. Like he's always working on some new project. He is he works so hard. I just I just can't say enough good about him. So yeah, definitely, uh, I would definitely get him on your show if you can. <laughs> great, great, great. All right, before we end this podcast, where can people find you online? Um, the best place would be my website, um, stephaniemenard.com. Um, at, cause there's links to everything like my event calendars on there and all my podcasts are on there and, um, there's links to buying any of like my comics or my books that are currently out. So that's probably the best place I'm on Facebook and Instagram too. Stephanie Menard, you know, you'll, you'll find me if you really want to, it's not that difficult. And I'm on Twitter. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Andrew, apparently, that's a thing. I'm not there. <laughs> You're everywhere. All over the place. Okay, that was my interview with Stephanie Menard. Definitely support her and other creatives just like her. They're the heart and soul of any creative community. And just a reminder on how you can uh, follow Fresh is the Word and myself, K Fresh, on the internet. 
Uh, Fresh is the word. You can subscribe to it at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just type in Fresh is the word, and it's right there. And please, you know, leave some feedback. Leave some good reviews, hopefully good reviews. Uh, leave some ratings, whatever. It'll definitely help, uh, it'll definitely help support the podcasting and make it grow. Uh, you can always go to, to the website, freshthepodcast.com, and share any links uh, from the website on your social media. You can follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh, and I'm Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash rensel. Um, you can follow Fresh is the Word on Twitter at FITW Podcast, on Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast, SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Fresh is the Word Podcast. And uh, that's about it. You know, definitely, uh, you know, follow us online and share what you can. It will definitely help out the podcast. Uh, this week's Fresh Pick of the Week is a comic book that's already garnered a lot of attention. It's called Abbott. And it's, a, it's, it's written by a Michigan-based, Detroit-area-based author, Saladin Ahmed. It's uh, set in Detroit circa the 1970s. It's, a it's like a detective drama meets sci-fi thriller that ties in many socio-economical themes and issues. You know, it's really cool. Like, what's cool about it is that not only is it set in Detroit, but for all of us that are from the Detroit area, you'll see some, a lot of familiar places set in the artwork throughout the comic book. It's a really good series. Uh, I believe we're three issues deep at the, uh, at the time of recording this, uh, this podcast episode. It is uh, super cool. So check out Abbott. It's a really good comic book. So that's about it for this week's Fresh is the Word podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.